Well, we've come to the main message portion of our service now, so we'll get our Bibles out, whether they're a book or on the cell phone or whatever the case may be. We're going to start off in the book of Colossians in the New Testament. But let's ask God's help now. Lord, as we open our Bibles, we know that understanding comes from you, that there are billions of people in this world who are searching for answers and they read the scripture sometimes and they're confused by it. They, they don't understand it. But you have given us understanding through the Holy Spirit. We should never take that for granted. So as we read our Bibles today, Lord, teach us, change us, transform us into the kind of people that you want us to be. And we know it's into the likeness of Jesus Christ himself. So thank you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The title of the message today is, What's Mine is Yours. What's Mine is Yours. You know, we all hope to, you know, if we're the proper kind of parents we should be, we should hope to leave something to our kids when our time comes. I was thinking back to my dad uh, years ago, my wife and I hadn't been married too long, and we were struggling through some of the financial things that newlyweds struggle through, and, and uh, especially as the kids came along, and we were raising kids as well. But uh, my dad passed first, and then the time came for my mother to uh, go to the Lord. And we were kind of surprised that there was actually somewhat of an inheritance for us left by my parents. It wasn't much. My dad was a hard-working guy, worked in a, a factory all his life, and the factory happened to be next door to our house, if you can imagine that. Uh, we lived that close to where my dad worked, and he worked hard all of his life, worked over 40 years in the same place, and uh, they set some aside for their kids. My brother, of course, and his wife, and Mary and I, and it happened to come at a time when we really needed it. So the money was really put to good use and we were very thankful for uh, my parents thinking of us and uh, leaving something for us to help and it helped a lot. I want you to know that God feels the same way. We talk about God the Father as being the perfect parent. God the Father has left us an inheritance. I don't know if you realize that or not, but in Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 23, it says this, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. So we have been promised an inheritance from God. It says it is the Lord Christ you are serving when you work. So no matter where you work, what you're doing for a living, what you're doing in the church, acts of service, and, and just coming sometimes and being here and, and supporting the others who have come here. We're a family. So whatever you do, do it with your might, and don't forget the fact that you have been promised an inheritance. Now, it's Jesus Christ who, after his earthly ministry, after his sacrifice on the cross for, for our sins, after all that was over, he died, he rose from the dead, he had finally ascended back up into heaven to be at the right hand of the Father. He was excited at that time, very much excited, because he knew that a reward and an inheritance awaited him. 
But Jesus' attitude toward us is, you know what? What's mine is yours. So we will inherit what Jesus has inherited. He has promised us, because we are God's children, his sons and daughters, that we also will receive what he has received. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 19. This is uh, not Paul saying it, but Jesus himself and his words. Notice what he said to us shortly before his death, as he was anticipating all these things happening. He had hope because he knew that a reward awaited him after all was said and done. And in Matthew 19, beginning at verse 28, Jesus said to them, to the disciples, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me, in other words, my followers, my disciples, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones judging uh, the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone, not just the 12 apostles, but everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. Some of the things that, that Jesus says here are figurative. I don't think necessarily if, if he has a billion followers, there's going to be a billion thrones. I think that was just something he was saying to the disciples because they were still a part of Israel with the 12 tribes of Israel. I think it, it just is a figurative way of saying that power and honor will come the way of anyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ. We are to be distinguished above others and more highly honored and rewarded. So God appreciates our work. He appreciates our effort. He appreciates our stick-to-itiveness and remaining faithful to the end. And he said, you know what? Your efforts will be rewarded. There is an inheritance that we will receive, and we will receive it through Jesus Christ. Now, the passage that I want to discuss in a little bit more detail is in 1 Peter 1, beginning in verse 3, because Peter here talks about our inheritance. He talks about our inheritance. So let's see what else we can learn about it. And God wants us to be encouraged with these scriptures. Sometimes we get in a rut or we get in the doldrums, and because of this crazy world that we live in, the fallen world, we get discouraged or depressed, we, our, our focus is on the wrong thing, and uh, we can be dragged down by this world. Peter wants to encourage us here with these words. First Peter 1, beginning in verse 3. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4, and notice, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. We'll read on, verse 5, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. In what? In the fact that we're going to receive an inheritance? 
We know that that's coming to us if we're steadfast. So we should greatly rejoice in this, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So he talks about this inheritance that we have been promised. And he breaks it down a little bit and, and brings out some characteristic of this inheritance. We'll go back to, uh, let's see, verse 3 and uh, 4. Verse 4, precisely. Into an inheritance that, first of all, can never perish. So he describes our inheritance in four ways. Here's the first one. It cannot perish. So we need to think of this inheritance as a sure thing, as a promised thing by God. Now, you know, there are some inheritances on earth that can fail. You know, somebody can say, well, you know, my goal when my kids, uh, when I pass, when my time comes, I'd like to leave my kids each a million dollars. That's a great goal. But you know what? Over the years, things happen. <laughs> the economy goes up and down. Investments go up and down. And sometimes people with the greatest plans and hopes for the future end up failing because of circumstances out of their control. In fact, on earth, everything that we have is in the power of, is in the process, rather, of decaying. You know, you invest in a real nice automobile, pay $30,000, $40,000 for it, after a few years, you start to notice a little bit of rust on that thing. And it starts to break down mechanically. And you're driving along the road, like what happened to me just a couple of weeks ago, and a truck goes by, and here comes this stone bouncing along, and all of a sudden it hits your windshield and puts a big crack in it. What are the odds of that happening? But that's just the nature of this physical world in which we live. Things are in the process of decaying, of rusting away. You know, our bodies, we certainly begin to notice that happening in our bodies. In our houses, we start to have to put on a new roof, new plumbing, new this, new that. Our cars, our clothing starts to, to wear away. That's just the nature of this physical earth. It decays. We don't want to turn there, but in Matthew 6, Jesus said this, Don't store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves steal. Yeah, that happens too. You know, you can have a great uh, account uh, planning an inheritance that you want to give your kids and somebody gets online and hacks into it and before you know it, all the money's gone. Those things happen on a daily basis. But the inheritance that God has for us, it's not earthly, so it can't perish. It can't decay. There's no threat of anything happening to it. God is holding it secure for us. Amen. So when he says inheritance, we don't have to worry, you know, like, like a physical inheritance. You know, uh, in fact, sometimes you drive around and you see a bumper sticker on the back of a real fancy car. It says, we're spending our kids' inheritance. <laughs> because human nature tends to be tempted in different ways. God is not tempted. 
our inheritance is sure. It's not made up of things that are going to spoil and decay. Now, Peter goes on to say something else about uh, uh, our inheritance. First of all, it cannot perish. It will be there. We can count on it at the time. Secondly, it cannot spoil. There is no way it can go bad over time. Investments are subject to many conditions. Stock markets can, can drop. The price of gold and silver can drop. Uh, inflation can take place. And the, the value of the money you once had, it's no longer that valuable. A recession comes around. Depression can, can affect the uh, uh, government, as some of you may still remember if you lived during those years. Our inheritance is not subject to any factors that can degrade it. What God has prepared for us will be there just as he prepared it. It's not earthly, it's heavenly. Okay, so first of all, it cannot perish, it cannot spoil. Thirdly, it is unfading. It cannot fade either. So it's hard for us to imagine colors that can never fade, excitement that never lessens, or value that never depreciates because we're used to those things happening all the time in our lives and in this world. But our inheritance is not of this world. So you can imagine something, if we can, that cannot be affected by any negative earthly factor. That's our inheritance. In other words, what Peter is saying is you can be sure of it. It's going to be there. It's not going to lessen or depreciate in any value. God has something very special, very expensive, if you will. Uh, it, it's going to reflect power and authority that God has given you, and it's for this next life that we're going to have. And the final thing, that, the fourth thing he says in that passage about our inheritance is that it is reserved. It has been set aside for you. It's not going to be like God has this, this big uh, pile of stuff to give away and you know what, we're all in line for it, and you happen to be way in the back of the line, and you're worried that, well, by the time I get there, how much is going to be left? And you know, he's, he's handing out a reward to everybody, and you're thinking, oh man, that pile's getting smaller, and by the time I get there, will there be anything left for me? No, it is reserved for you. There is a crown that you're going to wear that has your name on it, that nobody else can wear. Because that crown represents authority. It represents uh, power that God is going to give you. And there's a throne, there's a, a crown there that has your specific name on it. It can't be given to anybody else. So it is reserved for you. Our true inheritance, our true home is reserved for us in heaven. Now turn with me to Ephesians 1 verse 13. So we saw those four characteristics of our reward, our inheritance. It cannot perish, it cannot spoil, it is unfading, and it is reserved just for you, specifically for you. Notice what Paul says further in Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14. He says here, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And having believed, so that's how we get the reward. 
It's because we heard the gospel and we believed. And furthermore, we remained loyal and steadfast to the end. So he says here, having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So how do we know for sure that we're included in that inheritance and reward? Well, first of all, we heard the gospel and we believed. That's why we're here right now, because we're believers, we're followers of Jesus Christ, we're disciples of his. But furthermore, the fact that you have the Holy Spirit is a down payment on that inheritance. And I don't know about you, I mean, I'm your pastor, so I should have instilled this over the years in you as to how to know if you have the Holy Spirit. If you are changing, if God is transforming you, it is the Holy Spirit doing the work. If you're not the same old cratchety, crusty person you used to be earlier on in life, and you can see that changes have been made in your life, you're softer, you're warmer, you're more giving, you're more loving, you're forgiving. That's all proof that you have the Holy Spirit and he's doing his work in you. Amen. That you understand sermons when you hear them. That's proof that you have the Holy Spirit. That uh, there's something inside of you that when you're uh, offered a, a choice on to do A or B, something inside of you influences you to do the right thing, not the wrong thing. Now, that doesn't come totally overnight, but as time goes by in our lives, we make those right decisions. That's the Holy Spirit in you. Amen. And whenever you sense the Holy Spirit in you, it's a reassurance that you have an inheritance. That's why God gave us the Holy Spirit as a down payment, a proof to reassure us and to encourage us that the inheritance is ours. It's waiting for us. And we know that the time is coming that we will receive that full inheritance that God has promised for us. And the time, of course, is when Jesus Christ returns. Or the time of the resurrection, if, if we're dead at that time. There's a, a real fascinating scripture that I'd like to turn to back in the book of Daniel, of all places. We're going to look at one of the prophecies mentioned here in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 7. Because here Daniel has a vision, and what he sees in this vision is actually Jesus receiving his inheritance from the Father. The inheritance that he is going to share with us. Because don't forget, he says, what's mine is yours. He will share it with us. This is a beautiful passage in Daniel 7 and verse 11. Let's read there and see what Daniel sees in this vision or in this dream. Daniel 7, beginning in verse 11, he says, Then I continued to watch this vision because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. And I'm not going to get into all the symbolism here. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts that had been stripped of their authority, but uh, were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man. 
That's a term that Jesus used in the Gospels to describe himself, the Son of Man. So Daniel seems to see Jesus in this vision, one who was like a Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. Now, is this talking about the time that Jesus ascended up to, to the Father once again? Did, did this happen then? Or is it talking about his return to earth? I don't think we can be sure. But he was coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, the Father. So here's Jesus approaching the Father and was led into his presence. He was given, Jesus was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Verse 15, I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. I approached one of those standing there, perhaps an angel, and ask him the true meaning of all this. So he told me and gave me the interpretation of these things. And he goes on to describe about beasts and kingdoms. But verse 18, the saints, that's us, the saints of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. Jesus says, what's mine is yours. So the time came that after Jesus fulfilled his mission to the earth, he suffered and died on the cross, he was buried, he rose from the dead, eventually ascended up to heaven. At some point in time, if this has happened then or if it's still future, here is Jesus Christ, Son of Man, coming before the throne of his Father, the Ancient of Days in heaven. And at that point in time, because Jesus Christ has been loyal, has fulfilled the commission the Father gave him. He was granted authority, glory, sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Jesus says, what's mine is yours. That gives us some insight as to what this inheritance is all about who we are as God's children through Jesus Christ, what Jesus has done and accomplished for us. And now we have heard the gospel of who he is and what he's done, and we believe it, and we live our lives accordingly. He has given us the Holy Spirit, which is a down payment on this reward and this inheritance, and this is what we have to look forward to. Other scriptures says that eye has not seen nor has ear heard, nor has even entered into the mind of men what the Lord has prepared for us. It's going to blow us away because we're going to receive in a similar way the reward that Jesus Christ himself received. Why? Because we're followers of him. Why? Because we're in relationship with him. And he has promised us these things. So all glory goes to him for what he has prepared for us. And thankfully, it's not the kind of a reward that can be threatened or can fade away or can spoil. And we're not going to be left behind because our name is there. Our name is on a crown which we will be fitted with. And we will receive these things that God has prepared for us. So don't lose sight of that. 
Don't let the cares and worries of today and, and even the suffering and the pain that we may be enduring today block out the beauty and the hope and the promise that God has made for us. Second Corinthians chapter 4. It's just amazing how often this is talked about in God's word. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. The Apostle Paul says to us today, considering what lies ahead of us and what the inheritance will be, therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly today we are wasting away. Yeah, these human bodies, they start to fall apart after time. You have to put in replacement parts, and you have to get therapy, and you got to do something for the pain and the hurt and the brokenness. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. See, we, we can't get the perspective of that yet because all we know is the physical and the pain and the decaying and the spoiling, but we're promised from the other side that, you know, once you get there, once you inherit what God has prepared for you, this suffering that we've gone through for lo these many years is going to seem like nothing. We don't quite have that proper perspective yet, but we have God's word on it. He says in verse 18, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Amen. And God is promising us, and he is reassuring us, and he's telling us, listen, your reward is there. It's beyond what you can ever imagine. Just hang in there. It'll seem to be over in no time, but you will receive that reward. If you're alive at Jesus' return, or if you die, go to be with the Lord at that time, we're all going to receive the reward together, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. The time is coming in each of our lives where Jesus is going to say some wonderful words to us. The final scripture is Matthew 25 and verse 23. I can imagine that when this happens, we're going to think, am I dreaming this? Is, is this really happening? The time is going to come when we receive what God has promised us. And I like it the way Jesus uh, mentioned it here in this particular parable, Matthew 25 and verse 23. It's the parable of the talents and the person who uses the talents in a way that pleases God. And we've all been given talents. We've all been given a spiritual gift by God whether it's the gift of service or the gift of teaching or the gift of music or the gift of hospitality or whatever the case may be. God wants us to, to be using that in God's service, but the time is coming when all accounts will be settled. And in this case, this individual who comes to his master who has used his talents properly, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. 
And that's what that reward is going to be like. No more sorrow, no more pain, no more tears, no more crying. All of that will be gone. And we are going to enter into the same happiness that God enjoys every day. Every day. And we're going to enjoy that forever. A kingdom that never ends. That will be our reward. So God says in the meantime, hang in there. Stay close to me. Draw your strength from me. I will provide the way for you. I'll guide you along it. Just remember what you believe. Remember what you're convinced of. The gospel. Jesus Christ as your Savior. And remain loyal to the end. Your reward is waiting for you. And I look forward to that day. And like I said, I'm probably not going to believe it when it happens. But we're all going to be poking each other saying, okay, <laughs> am I really, is this real? Am I dreaming? Am I imagining? Is this some sort of a vision? And we're going to tell each other, hey, it's real. The time has come. And we have our reward and our inheritance that has been preserved for us by God. So God gives us encouragement in these verses. So don't let it get you down. Don't get waylaid. Don't get in a rut. Keep your focus on the promises of God, and we will surely receive them. Heavenly Father, thank you for the words of encouragement today. You know that we're all going through a trial of one sort or another, and we have been in the times past, and we probably still will in the future. But this keeps us going. You're a generous God. You're a thoughtful God. You don't just enjoy your life yourself, you share it. And we thank you that you have made the plan in advance to share your inheritance, your power, your glory with your children. And we are that. We are your children through Jesus Christ. So help us to keep believing, to maintain our faith, to keep our focus on you. And we know that your promises and our inheritance will be sure. We look forward to it, Father. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.